Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. In this podcast, we explore some of the little-known legends, stories, places, and rumors about the great Buckeye State. We're your hosts, Mike and Dan. So hide the keys, lock the doors, and turn down the lights. The next episode is about to begin. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. I'm Mike on this side of the table. That's Dan on that side of the table, and today we'll be covering the entire state of Ohio as we crisscross the back roads of the Buckeye State to multiple places and locations. Today, Dan and I will be conducting an in-memoriam of notable Ohioans who died in 2023. Hi, Dan. Hello, Mike. So, we'll be paying our respects to well-known Ohioans who left us in 2023? Yes, Exactly. You know, since about 2014, I've had this strange habit of keeping track of notable Ohioans who pass away each year. And since I've been keeping track, about 35 to 50 of these individuals pass away every year. So I thought our listeners might enjoy hearing about these lesser but still notable Ohioans. Hmm, sounds interesting. Let's do it. Okay, first of all, let me say that I might mispronounce some of these names, which is not a good thing when you're doing a podcast because talking is important. So any of our listeners who might know their real names or the correct way to pronounce them, please feel free to let us know because I'm sure I'm going to butcher a few of these names as we go along. There's there's 34 of them, so I don't think I'm going to get every one of them right. But uh, let's let's start. Um, I figured we'd just give the name of the person and do a brief biography about them. Let's start with a very popular sports figure from the 1970s, a guy named Sal Bando. So if you're a sports fan, you might remember him. He was a professional baseball player. He played Major League Baseball as a third baseman from 1966 until 1981, most prominently as a team captain for the Oakland Athletics dynasty that won three consecutive World Series championships between 1972 and 1974. He was a four-time All-Star player. He averaged 23 home runs and 90 runs batted in over an eight-year span. That's incredible, actually. He was born in Cleveland, and Sal Bando died on January 20th. He was 78 years old. Do you remember him, Dan? Yeah, I remember him. Did he play for the uh, Indians? I don't think so. I, I think it was mostly the athletics. He might have played for Milwaukee or somebody later in his career. And I think he was, uh, was he an owner too or something? Or some guy, he was on the business end of, of managing one of these teams too. It might have been the athletics. I'm not sure. But yeah. I don't think he played for the Indians. 
Well, you know, the Athletics had a terrific team. I think Reggie Jackson, Raleigh Fingers, there was a lot of talent on that team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know a lot of those names. That's right. They, they were really good. They were they were like one of those first dynasties back in the day. And he passed away in 2023? Yeah, he was passed away last year. Uh, he was 70, what did I say? He was 78 years old. He, he passed away. It's almost a year now. He passed away on January 20th. Um, by the time we get this episode out, it might be exactly a year, actually. Okay, and he's not the only baseball player who passed away no. this last year, correct? Yeah. We're going to stay with baseball. Let's talk about a guy named, uh, I think everybody knows this guy. If you're if you're anywhere living in Cleveland or near Cleveland, you'll know the name John Adams. Uh, he was a super fan of the, of the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians. Um, from his seat in the bleachers, he played his bass drum in nearly every Indians home game from uh, August 1973 through 2019, he attended nearly 4,000 Cleveland baseball games. He, uh, after he passed, he willed his drum to the Guardians, and they set, they sent a pair of the mallets to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown in New York. On August 24th, 2023, the 50th anniversary of his, of his first game that he drummed at, the team announced that the bleachers at Progressive Field would be named for Adams starting in the 2024 season, so next season coming up. John was born in Cleveland, and he died at the age of 71 on January 30th, again, almost a year ago. You know, if you're a Clevelander and you remember anything about the old stadium, one of the things that I remember was you could hear him drumming before you actually got to the stadium. Exactly. So yep. as you're, you're walking up to the stadium, you're going to the ticket office, whatever, you can hear that drum. And that was one of the coolest things about it. What a fun Cleveland Indians icon, John Adams. We're going to miss him. Yeah, he's. He, I'm trying to figure out where where he's been laid to rest. A few people have asked me, actually, and I don't know. And, and uh, I don't think it's that they're trying to keep it a big secret. I just don't know if anything's been published as to as to where he was laid to rest. But uh, I'm hoping to find out soon, and I'd love to go pay my respects to, to, to the man. And, and I hope to do that hopefully this summer if I can find something out. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And if anybody can find it, it's going to be you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to work on it. Okay, so the next guy we got is a guy named Butch Miles. He was a very talented jazz drummer. He played with uh, a lot of the old man. You're going to hear some names from the past. Mel Torme, Count Basie. Uh, a guy named Dave Brubeck, Ella Fitzgerald, Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, Lena Horne, and, and Tony Bennett. His musical career spanned over 60 years between uh, 1962 and 2023. He was the leader of, of the group Jazz Express in the 1980s and 1990s, and he was inducted into the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame in 2011. Mel was born in Irontown, Iron cut. Mel was born in Ironton, Ohio, and he died at the age of 78 on February 2nd. Wow, there was a lot of talent there. And all those names that you mentioned, I know that there were pockets of cut. I know that there were locations in Cleveland where a lot of these people played, and I think a lot of those locations are gone. And it's just kind of sad that we're going to kind of lose those memories but hopefully they'll still live on with the magic of the internet yeah you know I, I i worked at a place called the front row theater for for almost 15 years 
And it was a venue where a lot of these performers came. And I'm just looking through this list now of these people I just mentioned. Count Basie was never there. Ella Fitzgerald was never there. Sammy Davis Jr. was there. I saw him perform there. I'm wondering now if Butch Miles was with him when Sammy was in town. And also I saw Tony Bennett there, again, wondering if Butch Miles was was actually in, in his band when they were performing there. That's I hadn't really thought about that until you just mentioned that. So now I'm thinking maybe I actually saw the guy and didn't even know it. Wow, how cool. And I think a lot of those guys kind of did hobnob together. So it wasn't unusual to find one playing with the other. Oh, right, exactly. So I may or may not have seen uh, Butch Miles. So it's unfortunate that I didn't know who he was back then. He was a very famous Ohioan and a very talented musician. And again, he died at the age of 78 on February 2nd. Sounds like a talented guy. Are you a wrestling fan, Dan? I'm kind of a mildly a wrestling fan. Okay. Have you ever heard of a guy named Jeff Gaylord? Um, I have heard of Jeff Gaylord. And, and speaking of my father, he told me about a wrestler named Haystacks Calhoun. I remember. My, do you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a cool name. So yeah. tell me more about Jeff Gaylord. Well, he was a professional wrestler. He competed in the Bill Watts Universal Wrestling Federation, the World Class Championship Wrestling, and the United States Wrestling Association during the late 1980s and 1990s. He was a frequent tag team partner of Jeff Jarrett. I think I know that name. And was also a member of the USWA faction of the Nation of Dom Domination. The Nation of Domination. Say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, he was born in Columbus, and Jeff Gaylord died on March 15th. He was 64 years old. Wow. That's kind of weird that a lot of those guys didn't live super long. You just wonder if uh, their wrestling lifestyle somehow contributed to the uh, shortened lifespan. Yeah, hopefully they weren't, you know, back, back in the day, you know, when it's popular to do the steroids and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that Gaylord did that. I have no idea. I'm just, I just know that a lot of football players did that. You know, um, who was that guy that was on the Browns? He played for the Raiders. Um, Lyle Alzado? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that got him in the end. I, I think you're right. I think Sports Illustrated did a piece on him. Yeah. About how the, how the uh, steroids had just, just really devastated his life. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that's not the case here. Yeah, but going on to these wrestlers, these guys were true entertainers, and you know they weren't making pennies on the dollar. They just were doing it for the love of the love of the sport. Yeah, your your dad remembers uh, Haystacks Calhoun, huh? Oh yeah, and a lot of those uh, who, Bruno Sammartino, I think, was an early yeah. champion. Yeah, I grew up with like guys named Johnny Powers and Dick the Bulldog Brower and the Kangaroo Brothers and uh, the I can't even remember the gosh, geez, there's so many of them. Yeah. The I think there was another one, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of clever and uh, interesting names back then. A lot of fun. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on. We are going to go to uh, a guy that I'm sure everybody has probably had a sandwich at their restaurant. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people uh, may have eaten at this fast food restaurant. Um, you know, the fast food industry in Ohio is, is a very deep history here. Um, you know, like Dave Thomas and Wendy's, you know, that was started in Ohio. But the guy we're going to mention next is uh, part of another giant of fast food industry. The Raphael brothers were the founders of Arby's fast food chain restaurants. So a guy named Forrest Raphael 
was a co-founder of Arby's, of the Arby's fast food chain restaurants. He and his brother Forrest launched the brand in 1964 in Boardman, Ohio, the hometown of Bernie Kosar, I believe. Uh, the, RB, the R and the B in Arby's actually stands for the co-founders, the, the Raphael brothers. The chain is known primarily for its roast beef sandwiches. I'm sure everybody knows. And it's got locations everywhere. The United States, Canada, Costa Rica, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Mexico, South Korea, and even in Turkey. Uh, Leroy was born in Zanesville, and he died at the age of 96 on March 21st. Wow. I wonder if he uh, attributes his long life for eating Ar Arby's roast beef sandwiches. <laughs> Well, I, I, I usually get the ones with the peas on them, so that, that probably would shorten my life a little. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, I, like I said, the fast food industry, with Wendy's and uh, Arby's here that we just talked about, I think there are a few others I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, what's that one where they come out to your car? Swenson's? Swenson's, that's it. I think that was started in Ohio, too. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, yeah, there's a, there's a rich history of, of fast food uh, well, I know I'm I'm doing my part to keep the fast food industry alive. I'm trying not to do my part, but it's very <laughs> difficult. All right, let's head back into sports for a moment. Uh, this time, there's a, a I want to talk about a college football player named Dean. And here we go with the last names. I'm probably going to screw him up here. I think his, his last name is Derricotti, Dean Derricotti. He was a college football player who was a halfback and a return specialist for the Michigan Wolverines between 1944 and 1948. I know how much we hate Michigan, but this guy was really good. He was one of the first African-American athletes at the University of Michigan in the era when college football was just beginning to integrate. As a punt returner, he established school records that still stand today. He also served as a Tuskegee Airman. He was born in Fostoria and Dean died on March 31st at the age of 96. Wow, what a cool guy! Not only was he a football star, but then he was also a uh, a pilot in the war. That's fascinating. Yeah, one of the few Tuskegee Airmen. I don't even know if there's any left. Really, he was one of the last to go, I believe. In '96, he can't be many older than that, I would think. Yeah, yeah, what a cool story. So, from college uh, football, we're going to go to pro football. Don, uh, here we go again with the last name McKenney. Let's go with Don McKenney. He was a professional football player who was a halfback in the NFL for the Detroit Lions, the, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the 49ers. Here, here's an interesting thing about Don. He, he was selected by the Cowboys in the 1960 NFL expansion draft, and he became their first starting halfback in their, in their history, the Cowboys' history. In their first season in 1960, Don scored the first rushing touchdown for the Cowboys. So there's a little piece of history for him. He was born in Cleveland, and he died at the age of 88 on April 18th. Wow, that's neat that we have uh, even more ties to the NFL. You don't see too many of the, at least the Cleveland sports uh, players uh, going over to Dallas. I know Bernie Kosar did, as you mentioned before, at the tail end of his career. But you don't hear too many uh, players like that, and especially – if you're looking at the Lions, the Packers, the Cowboys, and 49ers, those are four teams, and not too many players from that era would bounce from team to team. Once you were locked into a team, that was it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oddly enough, all those teams made the playoffs this year. Interesting. Hmm. 
Yeah. Also, um, he was, um, you were mentioning all the players. Uh, remember Roger Stahlbach? Oh, sure. Yeah, he was, he's from Ohio. He was, I think he was born in the Cincinnati area. Roger the Dodger. There you go. So, okay, let's, let's uh, flip on over to agriculture. Now, we got a, an important figure from Ohio. Uh, not only was he uh, well-known in Ohio, but he was actually a, a national figure as well in, in the uh, agricultural industry. Uh, David Brandt, he was a farmer known for working on sustainable agriculture techniques, um, specifically no-till farming and cover crops. His experiments improved crop yield and soil quality uh, enabling him to cut back on commercial nitrogen additives. Uh, the crops also had less mold, blight, and insects, which reduced or stopped the use of fungicide, herbicide, and, and insecticide. Look at that one now, too. So actually, so a lot of his stuff, uh, you know, cut down on the chemicals being used, all the things that he came up with, uh, which is really, really cool, I think. He was dubbed the Obi-Wan Kenobi of healthy soil. He was born in Carroll, Ohio, and uh, he died on May 21st at the age of 76. Huh, very cool. I know that agriculture is so crucially important to Ohio, and it sounds like this guy really played an important part. Yeah, like I said, he was nationally known, and, and not only in Ohio, but, but across the country for his experiments and, you know, uh, finding different ways to use less, less chemicals and, and more, you know, trying to go towards a more natural you know, it's uh, a product. Wow. Sounds like he was ahead of his time a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Huh. So cool, cool guy. Yeah. Very cool. So let's let's move on over to music. A guy named Sheldon Reynolds. He was a guitarist, a singer, and a songwriter. Yeah, he began playing guitar when he was eight years old. And by the age of twelve, he was a prodigy. He was a member of the band's son, the Commodores, which everybody knows, and Earth Wind and Fire, which I think everybody knows. Uh, when he was a, a member of Earth, Wind & Fire, he was the lead guitarist, and he was also a co-vocalist. And a, another kind of a side thing he did was he was a contributing editor to the magazine Astronomy, and he also had a talk show on Twilight Radio. He was born in Cincinnati, and Sheldon Reynolds died on May 23rd at the age of 63. Huh, that's pretty neat. You know, I like guys like that. They're... They're, they're diversified. They do a lot of different things in their lives, and they're creative. And for him to have a show on Twilight Radio, what a cool guy. Just sounds like really, really fascinating guy. Yeah, I mean, an editor for, for Astronomy Magazine, this guy was probably pretty smart, I would think. A talented musician and a, and a, a guy that, that was, sounds very well-educated, actually. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we're going to go back to sports, and we're going to talk about a football player named Bob Brown. He was an NFL offensive tackle. He played for the Eagles, the Rams, and the Raiders between 1964 and 1973. This guy, man, the, the awards and, and honors he, he got, he, he was a six-time Pro Bowl selection, a, a five-time first-team All-Pro, a six-time second-team All-Pro. He was a member of the NFL 1960s All-Decade team. And he was inducted into the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. He was born in Cleveland, and Bob Brown died on June 16th. He was 81 years old. Wow, so very prolific. 
yeah, the guy was a great player. I, I really don't remember him a little before my time, although I was watching the Browns back in the early 70s. I, I, but I'm not real familiar with Bob Brown, but he had a heck of a career. Yeah, for sure. And it's just another uh, another further evidence of Cleveland's contributions to professional football. There you go. Are you a fan of heavy metal, Dan? Heavy uh-huh. metal music? Yeah, no, I, I like heavy metal. It's pretty cool. It's not my favorite, but I like it. Ever hear of a guy named Lee Ross? Yes, I have. Have you really? Uh-huh. Am I saying his name correctly, Ross? Yep. Okay. So you know he was a, a drummer, and he played in the thrash metal bands Megadeth, Dark Angel, War God, and Grimace during the 1980s? Did you listen to that music, Dan? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, although I might have to tune into to uh, Grimace and check them out. Yeah, this was a pretty cool names: Dark Angel, War God. Uh, well, I've heard of Megadeth. So, um, yeah, he was active in the 1980s and continued to play uh, from time to time locally in northwestern Ohio. And he was also a church drummer at Indian Lake Community Church in Indian Lake, Ohio. He was born in Marion, and Lee died on June 23rd. He was only 58. Oh wow! Yeah. So. Uh, huh, that's a shame. Yeah, he's a young guy. It's too bad. So we're, we're going to transition from music into acting. And we're going to talk about a few actresses from Ohio who made their mark in films and on TV. Uh, let's start with Carlin Glenn, who was, she was also, not only was she an actress, she was a singer as well. She won a Tony Award for her performance in the original 1978 Broadway production of The Best Little Horror House in Texas. She was also in notable films like 16 Candles, Three Days of the Condor, Resurrection, The Escape Artist, and Continental Divide. I think Continental Divide was with John Belushi, wasn't it? I think so. I think so. I like that movie. Yeah. So she she was born in Cleveland, and she died at the age of 83 on July 13th. Uh, another actress, as long as we're talking about him from Ohio, was Hersha. And we're going to see if we can get her last name. P-A-R-A-D-Y, Parada, Paradi, Parody. I'm not sure. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm butchering the name. I knew I would. But she was best known for her role as Alice Garvey on the TV series Little House on the Prairie. She began acting locally in Cleveland at the age of 14 in, in area, you know, Cleveland area theatrical productions. She also made guest starring appearances on TV shows like Mannix and the Waltons and the Bearcats. She was born in Berea, and she died on August 23rd. She was 78 years old. Wow, but she had a lot of credentials there. That's an impressive list. You don't hear too many people uh, striking it big, starting in Cleveland and going to Hollywood and striking it big. So kind of cool that uh, somebody did it. Yeah, I think she was real popular. I never watched Little House on the Prairie, but I think she was a very well-known character from that TV show when it was on. And you know who else I believe was from Ohio? Lakewood was uh, Terry Gar. She was a Hollywood actress. Terry Gar, yes, I think she was born in Lakewood. There's a, you know what we're gonna do a, a we're gonna do one on on actresses from Ohio. Actually, I think I even started writing it, so maybe we'll do it sooner rather than later. Cool. There are a ton of actresses from Ohio, so yeah, we'll do something on that soon. Cool. Um, all right, let's go on to Sam Wurzelbacher. He was known. You remember? I don't know if you. How political, we're not going to get too political here, but he was known as Joe the Plumber. Do you remember this during the election? Of course I remember Joe the Plumber. Okay. So Joe uh, Joe the Plumber, his real name was Sam Wurzelbacher, was a Republican conservative activist 
and a commentator. You know, he gained national attention during the 2008 U.S. presidential campaign, and he was given the moniker Joe the Plumber by the McCain-Palin campaign in their speeches and their and in their final presidential debate. He was like a metaphor for the for middle-class Americans, Joe the Plumber. He was born in Toledo, and Sam died on August 27th at the age of 49. But not before he got his 10 minutes of fame. Yeah, he's such a young age, though, 49. Yeah. wasn't. I think he ran for office, so he had some kind of political aspirations. I, I don't know how that worked out, but I think he did. Yeah, I don't I don't know the results of that either, but I, I, I think I remember when I was doing the research that he, he did run for an office at some point. So, yeah, no longer with us. Uh, died at the young age of 49. Hmm. So let's move on to Len Chandler, who was a folk musician. He began playing the piano at the age of eight and joined the Akron Symphony Orchestra in his senior year of high school. In the 1960s, he attended civil rights demonstrations and gained a reputation as a protest songwriter. His songs were covered by Pete Seeger and the Serendipity Sisters. His song, uh, Keep On Keepin' On, was used by Martin Luther King Jr. in a speech. Uh, he was born in Akron, and Lee died at the age of 88 on August 28th. All right, so let's talk about a guy named Carl Johnson. We, we mentioned the Tuskegee Airmen earlier. A guy named Carl Johnson was the final Tuskegee Airmen cadet pilot graduate in 1946. He was a U.S. Army Air Force Army officer, a former Cleveland, Ohio Airport Commissioner, and Deputy Director of the Pittsburgh International Airport. He was a 31-year military veteran, uh, having served in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. He was born in Bel Air, and Carl Johnson died on August 28th at the age of 97. You know, uh, Mike, I had the opportunity to talk to some of the Tuskegee Airmen, and I really wish I could have known more about him, but just really humble and just really, really terrific guys that served their country. And here's this guy who had a 31-year military military career. He served in Korea and Vietnam. This is truly an American hero. Yeah, it's just amazing the career he had, just the, the military career alone, and then and then working as, as in important positions as, as, you know, airport commissioners and deputy directors of international airports. Quite a career. Very impressive. Yep. Okay, we're going to go back to another actress. Shannon Wilcox was a character actress. Her many film credits included The Karate Kid, Frankie and Johnny, Runaway Bride, Six Weeks, and The Princess Diaries. She had a guest starring role on TV shows like Starsky and Hutch, Dallas, Y50, Heart to Heart, Grey's Anatomy, ER, NCIS, Remington Steel, and the list goes on and on. Matlock, Cagney and Lacey. Magnum P.I., and others. Quite a career. She was born in Cleveland, and Shannon Wilcox died on September 2nd. She was 80 years old. Hmm. You know, I don't know too much about Shannon Wilcox, but I think I will go up and, and dig into her a little bit and see exactly, uh, look at her career and review some of the TV shows and movies she was in. That'll be cool. Yeah, I mean, these movies she was in, I, I know all of them. The Karate Kid, Frankie and Johnny. Frankie and Johnny, was that? Uh, oh, wow. Al Pacino. Pacino, right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Runaway Bride. I mean, all these. The Princess Diaries. Yeah, all these movies are very familiar with me. I'm, I'm just trying to remember who she might have been and you know who she played, what role she had in those movies. So like you, I'm going to have to go back and check it out. Yeah, definitely. So if you're a fan of horror movies, you might know our next uh, 
guy who passed away this year in, in 2023, actually last year, Jeff Burr. He was a film director. He was a writer, a producer, and he was primarily known for his work in horror sequels, such as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Stepfather 2, Pumpkinhead 2, Puppet Master 4, and Puppet Master 5. He also worked in other genres that included dramedy, uh, a movie called Eddie Presley, and he worked in science fiction, a movie called Spoiler, and another one, The Boy with the X-Ray Eyes. He also did war films, uh, one called Straight Into the Darkness. Jeff was born in Aurora, and he died at the age of 60 on October 10th. Have you heard of any of those movies, Stepfather 2, Pumpkinhead 2, Puppet Master, any of those? Uh, you know, I can't not I can't recognize the exact number, but I've heard of the original of the series. Everybody's heard of Texas Chainsaw, uh, right. Pumpkinhead, yeah. And oddly enough, my daughter's starting to get to these horror movies. She goes, hey, Dad, have you ever seen The Hills Have Eyes? So it's kind of cool that another generation is coming up that enjoys these movies. But it sounds like I need to dig in these and maybe we can both watch it. There you go. And tell her all the connections that we, we talked about in our, in our earlier podcasts of the Hills Have Eyes and, and Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street. That's all got Ohio connections. Oh, yeah. A lot of, lot of Buckeye territory to cover there. Yeah. So mention that to your daughter. Maybe she'll be more impressed as she watches them. Definitely. I'll let you know what happens. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. So the next guy we're talking about is Rudolph Isley. And if you recognize the name Isley, you're probably thinking of the Isley brothers, and you'd be correct. Uh, Rudolph was a singer-songwriter, and he was a founding member of the Isley Brothers. Uh, he remained with the, with that group, with the Isley Brothers, for 30 years, from 1959 until his retirement from the music industry in, in 1989. Their biggest hit, and I'm sure you know this one, Shout, written in 1959, was ranked at number 119 on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Rudolph was born in Cincinnati, and he died on October 11th at the age of 84. Oh, wow. I didn't know uh, the guy from the Isley Brothers wrote that song. That's really cool. So I think that that song, Shout, not only, I think the Beatles covered it. I think everybody. It was in Animal House, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I think it was Shout that was in that movie. Yeah, that's a really popular song. Um, Yeah, I'm thinking about doing a running a podcast about all these famous songs from Ohio like, like that and other songs that are that are involved with Ohio and you'd never guess that Ohio artists wrote them or sang them. So that might be a whole other podcast in itself as well. Cool. And I will hum discreetly in the background all of those right. songs. Okay, great. If I could play an, an instrument, we could do that too. <laughs> Not gonna work. Okay, so let's do a, a memorial tribute to a couple of men named Frank. Okay, so we got Frank Herta was a U.S. Army soldier and a recipient of the U.S. military's highest decoration, the Medal of Honor, for his actions in the Vietnam War. Uh, during an enemy attack, he smothered the blast of an enemy-thrown hand grenade with his body to protect those around him. He survived the blast, and he was severely wounded, but he was promoted to Specialist Four and awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions. He was born in Cleveland. And he died on October 13th. He was 76 years old. The other Frank I want to talk about is uh, a guy I watched play baseball, Frank Howard. He played in, in Major League Baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Washington Senators. Remember the Washington Senators? They became the Texas Rangers. Frank played for, for the Rangers and the Senators. He was uh, also a member of the Detroit Tigers, 
and he, he did all this between 1958 and 1973. He was the National League Rookie of the Year, a four-time All-Star, an American League RBI leader, and a two-time American League home run leader. He was also a manager for a while. He managed the San Diego Padres and the New York Mets. He was born in Columbus, and Frank Howard died at the age of 87 on October 30th. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember him at the very tail end of his career. But, yeah, he was he was one of those guys that was just just impressive. Just no matter what he did, he was an impressive guy. Yeah, power hitter guy. He was a big guy, a really good player. Yep. Okay, so let's stick with sports. And we're going to mention a guy that probably every basketball, every college basketball fan knows, a guy named Bobby Knight. Most people know him from the Indiana Hoosiers. Between uh, He was a coach there between 1971 and 2000. He won 902, 902 NCAA Division I men's basketball games, a record at the time of his retirement. He won numerous awards, and as a head coach, he won three NCAA Division I championships and was a five-time Final Four qualifier. He was born in Massillon, and Bobby Knight died on November 1st at the age of 83. And what a colorful character. Bobby Knight was truly one of a kind. I understand that he was pretty tough on his players. He demanded excellence, but he did get the results. Uh, I think he got the results after he threw a few chairs or something like that, didn't he? (laughs) I think so. But at the end of the day, he was a coach. He didn't win national championships. And there's a lot of people in Indiana that still live and die by that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a passionate uh, coach, and he really cared about his team, and like I said, to the point where he, you know, he's throwing. I, I remember that one where he's just throwing that folding chair. I, I he just lost it, I guess. But yeah, he was very passionate and a very, very good coach, as you said. Truly one of a kind. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about a guy that was. Uh, I don't know. You were a comic book reader when you were a kid. Are you still a comic book reader, Dan? Uh, not too much anymore. I did. I kind of had a passive interest, but I, I guess I was kind of more interested in getting outside and starting fires. Oh, son, that's a little, <laughs> do we want to go there? <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> that's another podcast, right? That's right. So I'm probably going to get this gentleman's name wrong. Uh, it's It's got an accent to it, and I'm not real sure. I'm just going to say Diaric Gross, I guess. How would you say that name? Any idea, Dan? I think you got it. It looks like either Derek or Day. Day I, I don't know. Yeah. Derek Gross? Uh, Derek, Diaric Anyway, he was an illustrator, a writer, and an editor, and an art director. Uh, he worked mostly in the comic book industry with Marvel Comics, with DC Comics, Chaos Comics, Image Comics, and Innovation Publishing. He had his own company called Studio G as well. And he also penciled various issues of Spider-Man, Batman, and the X-Men. He was born in Kettering, and he died at the age of 76 on December 9th. Wow. Sounds like a really talented guy. I do. I sincerely admire those guys. They're really talented when it comes to drawing and illustrating comic books. Very cool. Yeah. Well, there's, that's another industry in, in Ohio. That's, that's got so much, so much rich history. Uh, it's comic books. So, you know, obviously Superman created here, Aquaman created here. There's connections to the green Hornet here. Um, yeah, the list goes on and on with, with comic books in Ohio. Sure. But it's an, another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Art Crumb, I think, was initially from Cleveland as well as Harvey Picar. There you go. And like I said, the list goes on and on. And uh, again, we'll save that for another podcast. 
So that brings us to our last notable Ohio death, Paula Murphy, who was a race car driver. She was known as the fastest woman on wheels. She was the first woman to drive an Indy car on the track, the first woman to drive a jet engine car on the salt flats, the first woman to have a funny car license, and the first woman licensed to drive a nitromethane-fueled car. She set numerous speed records in the 1960s and 1970s, and she's obviously a member of the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. She was born in Ohio. Paula Murphy died at the age of 95 on December 21st, just over a year ago. Wow. Very. I'm sorry. Not over a year ago. Just over a few a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. About a month ago. So. Very cool. What a what a what a wonderful uh, compilation of stories. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think I think we did 34. I mean, if anybody wants to go back and count them, but I think we did 34 people. Like I said, every year there's about 35 to 50 notable, famous Ohioans who who die each year, and I just go through the list and I I compile, uh, you know, all, all these famous names and. You know, here we are talking about them on a podcast, and I'll probably put them on my Facebook page, Too Late for Autographs. Actually, I did at the end of the year. Uh, so if you want to read about these people, uh, there's probably a few more details I didn't include here on the page if you want to go back and read about them. Very cool. I will go back and check it out. That's really cool. Okay. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks, Mike. And we'll see you next week. That sounds great. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. That was another episode of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. Stay tuned for more. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.